0: Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that you help me through the guidance of your Holy Spirit to, to be able to convey and capture this moment, this prophetic moment that you placed upon my heart and showed me this week. Father, let it come forth to be bread to your people, to our people, to all who have ears, to all of us. Be glorified, O Lord, and to you alone be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Boy, I got a weak amen. Amen. All right, thank you. You know, uh, you've heard it before, but when you respond, it puts the fire on the altar, and then it just allows me to get excited and respond, right? If uh, I wanted to... Uh, just be a, uh, you know, some kind of a priest or a rabbi or something, I'd just go in front of a frozen chosen congregation and we'd bring some and read some canned formula messages and words and go home and Monday go play golf. No, that's not what I do. Amen. You are the fire. You're the inspiration. So get into it, all right? And I promise you that the Lord will allow me to also. I want to declare that we've come to a very special time. You maybe have never heard a message that says this before because I don't think there has been one that I know of, and I Googled just to see because the Lord was pouring it out fresh. I didn't find anything. So this is it, and this is a, a very special day. Why is it? Because very rarely does it fall that the week after Resurrection Sunday and the day after Passover, land on the same day. And that is today. Last night, 18 minutes after sundown, was officially the end of Passover, the eight-day feast. Some say seven, no, it's eight. And there are special things that Jews all over the world who are observing and obedient, prayed yesterday and the day before. Believing things for what? A prophetic time. A prophetic time of the Lord. And what they were doing was bringing forth the high prophets of, of trust and judgment and promise. That's what the Hagfora is, which we're gonna talk about in a moment. But also, this is the week after Resurrection Sunday. Up from the grave, he arose on Sunday. And he began to appear on Sunday, but very special things began to happen a week after that. A week after that, we see that he came in front of his disciples and he began to profess himself, and Thomas stuck his hand into the wound of Christ. Now think about that a moment. Thomas and his human reason, Thomas holding on to the last thing he saw, which he didn't understand, which was the crucifixion of his Lord, the death of his Lord. He'd heard about his resurrection, but he hadn't seen it. He heard the testimony, but For some reason, he needed to confirm it himself, and so he put his hand into that wound. And when he did, there was a touching, a convergence of what was and what was to be. Many people have ridiculed Thomas and said, you know, he doubted he had to put his hand in. I wish I was the one who could have put my hand in. I wish I was the one who could have touched into the very glory of God of glory himself, into the inner self of the risen Christ touching both his flesh and his spirit, realizing that he was made man who was also God, and grasping the moment that in that moment there was a touching of a kingdom on earth and a kingdom in heaven the week after, the day after Passover. There's a convergence, it's a prophetic time, so let's get some understanding, let's get some learning. Let's eat and find out what we're sitting in. I've been teaching in our leadership institute that oftentimes we are the ones who are allowed to to participate in the intersection of two dimensions. And that the function of this dimension is of the soul which, which is contained here, and the spirit which is not contained. And that when these two cross over, there's a convergence. And in that convergence, we see mighty things begin to happen. A very common and scripture that we love in Hebrews 11.1 1 is that by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed of God. That's actually 11.3. But in Hebrews 1, we say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen. When Thomas put his hand in, he had to see, but he put it in also in what was a moment of faith because not only did he see, but he began to participate in the invisible things that were contained in our our Lord and our Savior. So there's a convergence of two dimensions. And when that convergence of two dimensions happens, the glory of God erupts. Now, breaking it down, and I can't teach the whole thing, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So there's an anointing at that convergence, and that anointing is to make all things new and to evaporate all old things. There's something that happens. There's an eruption of glory in God that causes the world and everything in it to adjust to you what to adjust to you you have dominion when you walk into that moment there's a glory dominion that you have an opportunity to speak to a mountain and the mountain must move you have an opportunity to declare things that are new that were not now i've also mentioned and have been teaching that nobody creates anything new on earth how many of you know that god's the creator we discover things At that moment, there's a discovery process, and the windows of heaven open up, and we begin to get wisdom and revelation, but not only just understanding, we get power. We get anointing. We get faith. And those things that you were hoping for, they converge, and the faith triggers and erupts in the anointing, and those things in heaven become yours here on earth. Now, are you getting it? Are you getting it? It's pretty simple. Some would say it's deep. I don't think so. I think it's very simple. I think it's so simple that all we have to do is do it and not just hear about it. So, having moved from there, I want to talk about the last two days of Passover. Now, what had happened was what? The children of Israel had been under Slavery for 430 years. And they knew nothing but that. Many generations had passed away. It had become their norm of life. They had conformed to that system in Egypt. But somehow there was just a little glimmer, a little flame of belief and hope in the God of Israel. The reason we know that is the Lord says, I've heard their cries. I don't think he just heard them crying out, oh, this is hard work. Oh, I lost another child under the weight of a rock that crushed them. Oh, there's another son and another wife that have been whipped and cruelly used. No, I don't think that was it at all. I think many times somebody there was inspired to keep crying out to God. God, save us. Where are you, my God? The same voices that cried out in a different way time in the holocaust on their ways into the furnace where are you my god can you imagine passover while you're in a a camp waiting to be burned in the furnaces god are you going to come and save me now are you going to pass through this camp are you going to pull us out now the same clamors and voices and fear that's the lord hears all the time crying out but we understand that ultimately we win no matter what when we're in Jesus Christ. This this life here is but a whisper, a vapor of time. We know we have eternal life, but yet God saves here on earth now. But there's prerequisites to it that he also has for us. And in this instance, the children of Israel, coming out of 430 years of slavery, God had to persuade Pharaoh with 10 plagues. Ten plagues. And finally, on the last one, when the firstborn males of of all of the houses in Egypt were slain. By the way, slain by the angel of the Lord. Excuse me? Slain by the angel of the Lord, not the devil. We have a false teaching in Western theology that the devil has to do all the bad work. No. No, when God brings judgment, God brings judgment. He's not gonna allow a fallen angel to bring his judgment. God's judgment is true and trust. And that's part of what the Haftorah is on the last day of Passover. It's crying out through the prophets for the God of trust and judgment and promise and prophetic voice. That's what it is. And so the children came out and basically, Pharaoh said, okay, go to your desert, worship your God for three days. (laughs) three days number three but something happened they didn't come back on the third day (laughs) the tomb opened up and they went running off led by Moses and instead of going a long path he took them right to the edge of the sea and they began to murmur and complain we were better off aren't there graves in Egypt for us We were better there. Look where you have us now. We're between a rock and a hard place. Nowhere to go. So Pharaoh mustered up all his chariots, all his warriors, his army, his might. Sort of a little present day notice, isn't it? There's a Gog Magog right now mustering up all its might, pounding against a trodden down people in the Ukraine. And for some reason, for some reason, they're just not going as fast and as hard as they thought they would. I wonder who that reason is. I wonder who that reason is. For some reason, when Israel declared itself a nation, and not only, not only Israel declaring itself a nation, but all of the nations in the earth for the first and only time since then declared that that little postage stamp of land in the Mideast was a new nation called Eretz Israel the land of promise that God had promised His people all the way back when they came out of Egypt. That little time in May of 1948, and what happened? As soon as it was declared, as soon as they began to lift their flag up, the Star of David, David Naum, the minute they began to lift it up, all the nations, the Arab nations around it, declared war on them a mighty, mighty force of army against an army that wasn't even formed yet, a nation that hadn't even breathed yet, a currency that had never come forth yet, weapons they didn't have. (laughs) But somehow, some way, God clogged their wheels like he did the chariots of the wheels of the Egyptians in that day. How many of you know that before they entered in, Once they came into the land that God had blown His breath and dried all night long. And before He dried it, He had put Himself between the enemy and them. How many of you know God is between your enemy and you? He put Himself between the enemy and them. And He said that it was so dark and the glory was there that neither side could see each other let alone touch each other. The Lord blinded the Israelites from the fear of the Egyptians. They didn't know if they'd gone. They didn't know if they were there. They didn't know what had happened. They were waiting for the morning watch. (laughs) And the Egyptians were lost in despair. They didn't have infrared lighting to see through the glory of God. They didn't have discernment. They weren't covered in the blood. They had not have the promise of God. They didn't have the covenant of God. They had a God called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh wasn't able to answer the call. As the morning watch came up, the Lord said, Moses, put your staff down and go across the water. I've already dried you away across the Red Sea. And it was a long trek. And it's amazing. Could you amaze? There's some pictures that we've seen of the walls. I don't know where they're at. Up, They're not up here now. But the walls of water up to both sides. And the Lord had literally raised the sides of the waters up. So there it is. And so that they could cross through on dry land. Turn the lights down a bit. Just for a moment. Look at it. I've seen some better renderings, but I like that one. I've got one in my home. The Lord moved the walls and gave them enough room for them to come through. And the number of those who came through was at least three million. Three million. And they had wagons and chariots, whatever they had. And they were taking the wealth of the heathen with them. Listen to me. They were taking the wealth of the heathen with them. They were taking the wealth. Hey, there's wealth there for you. Oh, my Lord. The three of you are going to get wealth. The rest of you, hey, come on. There's wealth there for you. I'm assuming there was a few who were bashful, like some of you, and the Lord said, Go go take the wealth from your masters and oh no, I'm not gonna do that. They'll smack me, they'll slap me, they'll spank me, they'll they'll rash me, they'll make me work harder tomorrow. So they went out with their pockets turned inside of, but the ones who went went out with so much wealth that they had inheritance and a legacy for the generations thereafter. because they delivered in wealth, in faith and belief. So off they went, trucking through the dry land, the waters on both sides of them, looking up. Can you imagine, there was a few probably saying, hey, would you hurry up in front of me? (laughs) Come on, go! Can you imagine the last person who came? I can assume it was probably an elderly person with a little cane. and. Probably some grandchild who was hanging with them while the rest went forward said, don't worry, Papa, I got you. I got you, Poppy. I got you, Abby. I got you, let's go. And they watched as the crowd went a little ahead. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God's got it. He'll get the last one. He goes for the last one. When there's one last one left, the Lord goes out and gets them. He brings them home. Here they come. And then they can hear the hoofs. And they hear the thunder coming of the Egyptian army. Don't worry, Abi. Don't worry, Adonai's got it. Don't worry, Abi. Don't worry. I sometimes wonder if that last one was Joshua. I sometimes wonder. He had a reputation thereafter of never conforming to the rest of the people he had a faith that was beyond something that was natural it was supernatural and he's the one who linked the old with the new that the Lord said now you cross over to the next promise I just wonder I just wonder certainly the Joshua spirit the hooves thundering The Egyptians bloodthirsting. Pharaoh leading them on. It's not going to be a battle. We've got everything. They've got nothing. I'm going to draw my sword and put it through the first one I get. I'm going to lead my people. After all, these aren't real warriors. I could hide behind my chariot. They can't do anything. What are they going to do? Throw some of that bread they made at me. Eat some of that lamb that they had. Throw a piece of gold at me. But the Lord did something first. It says he clogged their wheels. (laughs) He clogged the wheels of their chariots. God is such a warrior, such a strategician. Such a, a major, major general. You see, the chariots went first and then the foot soldiers afterwards. Once the chariots got clogged and it said he made them heavy, they all jammed up. And then they got worried. And then they said something very strange. We can't fight this people. Their Lord is with them. And they got fear and they were trying to go back, but they couldn't because they were one big cluster mess of chaos. God lured them into their own trap. And in that place, but how did he do it? He told Moses to declare it. Listen to me. Moses declared. God didn't need Moses to do it, didn't he? God doesn't need you to declare. God wants you to declare. God gives you an authority as a king and as a priest to declare. And as you declare, then you bring from heaven to earth what is the promise and the strategies of God against your enemies. And between you and your enemy is the cloud. And God is already stuck a stoke inside their wheels and stop them waiting for you to declare declare to the cancer go God's put a stuck in there he stopped it declare to the debt go and the debt has to go declare to the depression go drugs go disobedient children come go declare declare and cross over, and cross over. Can you imagine my little Jonah? I'm gonna take authorship of that. My little Jonah with Poppy, Abby, and the waters begin to come down, and they turn around, and they look, and they see what all the rest of them couldn't see, because they were already on the other side. They see chariots, and horses, and spears, and armors, and the crown of Pharaoh floating up and washing away. And their mouths open a gap. <sighs> and slowly they get across to the other side and catch up to him. <laughs> that happens on the seventh day of Passover. Seventh day of Passover. You know what they did on the eighth day? They danced, they danced, they danced. They They sang the song of Miriam. The horse and chariot fell into the sea. The horse and chariot fell into the sea. My God is glory, my God forever, my God is strong. The horse and chariot fell into the sea. Miriam's song, amen. They celebrated. They gave them the only thing they had to give, praise. They danced for the first time. Free people in their whole life. And they just robbed the bank. But now there were practical things to deal with. It was like food, water. So the Haftorah, The Haftorah, which is read on the seventh and eighth days. How many of you know that the Torah is read beginning in Genesis and ending in Deuteronomy throughout the year? And it's every verse, and it starts every time. And on Yom Kippur, it stops and starts again. And that's why on Simcha Torah, we have the dance of the reading of the Torah because it begins all over again on that seventh feast. And it becomes a great time. Well, the Haftorah is sent out. Why do we read it? Because it's a finale of what was and begins to kick off what shall be. It requires the prophets of truth and justice and hope and prophecy of God. And so no one's really sure how it came to be, it's really not required in scripture it was more or less the revelation of the rabbis and of the leaders of that time and it would appear that this is what Jesus also was responding to in the book of Luke chapter 4 verse 16 and it says he went and visited a synagogue in Nazareth on on a Shabbat and he was handed a scroll And on the seventh Sabbath day, he stood up to read. And next verse. Since you brought that one up, keep it. So he came and he was handed the book of the prophet of Isaiah. He read from the book of the prophet. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Next verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Hey, he has anointed me. At the convergence, what happens? Anointing. Come on, come on, come on. At the convergence. The convergence of what was and is, what happens? Anointing. Jesus was bringing what was into the present and taking it into the future through the words of the prophet, just like the Haftorah, to announce what was and was to become. And so we have that same opportunity now because when we see him, we'll know him because we'll be like him. Ah. And he speaks out. He's anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor the poor in riches no the poor in spirit the poor in spirit he has sent me to what heal 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 the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty deliverance pesach passover resurrection to the captivities and to recover the sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed and then what happened next verse to proclaim the acceptable year Of the Lord. And then he closed the book because he was then waiting for this time to come. We're in the next page, the next paragraph of that message, that sermon of Jesus Christ in the temple in that time. We're those who have been put in place now with the convergence of what was and what is to become to preach a new message. And that message is Jesus is coming the second time. Prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And yes, we will have many enemies. We'll have many who are going to pursue after us. They will come in the flesh. They will come in pride. They will come in humanism. They will come in the spirit of Antichrist to try and quench that which God has done, to try and quench the deliverance of the Lord. But the Lord says he will set a cloud of glory between us and them. He will confuse them. He will blind them. And you will do great things and exploits for God because of the spirit that's in you. If only you'll cross over. And if only you'll go. And if only you'll believe. Oh my. We have a song to sing every day. We have a song of resurrection to sing today, tomorrow, in the middle of the night. We have a song that can cry out, my Lord is risen. And because he lives, I can live for today. My God, my God is real. Jesus is on the throne. He's crossed over to the highest place. And guess what? He's made a bridge between me here on earth and him there. I'm there, but I'm here. I'm here, but I'm there. And what I do here, manifest there, and what he's doing there manifests here through me, and I can declare things that are not as if they are, because they are there, but they're coming here. Wow, there's a crossover. And in the meantime, there's been a choke stuck in the wheels of the chariots of your enemies, of your diseases, of your problems, of the curses, the generation, whatever it is, the wheels are clogged. They can't move. And the Lord's waiting to destroy them through your spoken word. Let the waves cave in, Lord. Wash them out, flood them out, move them out. The Haftorah. There are certain passages they select for the Haftorah. And they're always done with, guess this, uh, with music. <laughs> with music. That was my favorite part in the temple, was the music. They always got a man who had a deep voice in that day. And he could sing, and he always sang without any accompaniment, a cappella. And he'd sing in Hebrew and sometimes a little bit in English. But the Spirit was there. I didn't know what that was that was causing the goosebumps and for me to get excited and to light me up. And sometimes I didn't even understand what he was saying, but I knew the Spirit that was being released, the atmosphere in that place. The Haftorah is released with worship, with music. They start off with the Statement of Exodus 13 17 you don't need to go there I'm just going to read quick but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt listen to this equipped for battle how how did they go out when they were nothing but slaves equipped for battle somehow some way God gave them the weapons they would need because it wasn't long thereafter that they had their first battle against the Moabites. About seven days after, they had to fight the Moabites. You would say, Lord, that's, that's not fair. These people didn't even know how to organize themselves to fight. But you've got to understand something. The Lord said, my angel will go before you. Oh, listen to this. My angel will go before you. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And he did not depart from his people. They crossed the sea. The people murmured. Verse 19 of Exodus 14. The angel of the of the God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. The pillar of clouds moved from before them and stood behind them. And neither Egypt nor the host of Israel could see each other all night long. Moving forward. The song of Moses. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? awesome and glorious deeds still doing wonders they needed water three days out they got pretty thirsty so in the wilderness on their own they came across a place they named it marah m-a-r-a-h because it was bitter the water was too bitter to drink it was there looked good but when they tasted it, it was bitter something had poisoned the water so they cried to the lord because they hadn't yet found out who the God of provision was. What shall we drink? And the Lord said, take this piece of a tree, this log, throw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Mm. Take this piece of a tree, a log, throw it in the water, cursed is he who hangs on a tree until the blood flows down that tree and the curse is gone and the blood of Jesus washes clean and what was old, stale water becomes sparkling, living water to drink Jesus in the water Jesus in the water what was bitter comes fresh, living water, vibrant, quenches the thirst. They drank three days out. Then the Lord gave them a commitment. Verse 26 of 14, that is worth us looking at for a moment. saying, verse 26, I'm sorry, same verse, just go forward, 1526. Saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am, listen to me, first time he tells us, I am the Lord your healer I am the Lord your healer the attributes of God revealing to the people I am the Lord your healer I'm the God who heals you who is he he's the God who heals me heals me. He's the God who heals me. If I will obey, if I will do what's right in His sight, God made a covenant with His people. We're His people. We're grafted in. We're in. No matter how you got there, (laughs) you're His people. He says, if you do what's right, I will heal you. I believe God for that. I believe God for that. I know God for that. I'm not talking about something that might happen or could happen in my life. I'm talking about something that's happened multiple times in my life. From the grave, God pulled my feet out. Tumors, issues, crippling rheumatism. Ha leukemia I'm the God who heals you I know the God who heals let me tell you about the God who heals nothing is too big for my God the dead can't hold him down the grave can't call him failure rheumatism means nothing to him Broken bones mean nothing to him. Cancer must crumble under the word of the Lord God Almighty. Eyes must open under the Lord God Almighty. Hearts must heal. Lives must extend. Prosperity flows. Debt must go. That's the God who heals. Sometimes we fall short of obedience, but there's a way back. He's made a way back. The Egyptians didn't have a way back. Your enemies don't have a way back. When I'm talking about enemies, I'm talking about the demons and pits of hell and those who have sold themselves out to it. Beloved, there's a group on earth today that have made a pact with the devil and with evil. Only by the miraculous grace of God might they be broken. But understand something, they're the Egyptians who pursue you. They're the Egyptians who lift up a different God, motivated by the spirit of antichrist and a hatred for the things and people of God, the word of God, the laws of God. The enemy of your enemy is not your friend. That's bubbly gosh. that's humanism. So the Lord says, I'm the Lord who heals you. This is part of the half Torah. This is what they read last night. This is what they read in the morning. They read it again last night. Then he goes forward. And in Deuteronomy, he says, make sure you offer me the lamb without blemish. (laughs) Now to celebrate and to hold on to the promises and to make the covenant that I've made with you, Sacrifice the lamb without blemish. Beloved, the lamb of God who takes away the sins was sacrificed once and for all for you. It is done. Never again will the lamb have to go upon the cross or an altar. He's the risen king. He's coming back, but he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a fierce warrior of God. He's coming back not to deal with the sin of man, but the men of sin. It's a whole different Jesus. It's coming back. But there's a way back. Lord, forgive me. I fell short, oh God. And he's faithful. He will bring us in. But there comes a point where that person has to quit practicing sin and practice obedience to God. That's the gray area. Nothing's harder to do a funeral for somebody who you know has rejected the opportunities of God over and over, and you just don't know in that last breath where they stood. All I can do is cry out for the mercy of judgment, but I can't give the peace to the family because I don't know. Those are tough ones. I don't like those funerals. I'd like to give them someone else to do. I'm going to give them to Brian to do from now on. (laughs) Those are the tough ones. Because in your heart, you want to give compassion. You want to give peace. You want to give love. You want to give promise, but you can't lie. So the only thing you can give them is a salvation message. That's all you have to give. But something else happens on the half Torah. They then go to Isaiah, and they cry out in Isaiah 16, chapter 11, there will be a highway for the remnant of his people. There's a highway to heaven. (laughs) Led Zeppelin thought they understood it, but they didn't get it. There is a highway to heaven, but that highway is through Jesus Christ. That highway is the bridge that God has given us from heaven to earth. And he's making a way of salvation for his people. This is the half Torah. This is what the Jews who observe cried out last night. Lord, make us a highway to heaven. Ha, Heshina, come Lord God. Come Lord Jesus, the prophetic voice, crying out in this moment when there's a convergence. And then it moves forward. finally to Resurrection Day. Christ rose from the dead early Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and another Mary, they walked to the tomb. Other group of women were scheduled to meet them at the tomb with their spices. They find out the rock is rolled away. They 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 come to a man who tells them, who are you looking for? He's risen. Who are you looking for? He's risen. Hey, he's risen. He's not in the tomb. You're not in the tomb. Don't look for your problem. He's risen. Open the door. Open the gates. Let the king of glory in. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. It's wonderful that you brought your spices, but go home and use them on yourselves, your own stinky selves. Cuz he's risen. They look they're in wonder. They don't know whether to believe this this guy or to wonder if somebody stole his body. But they run and go tell people. Peter and John, they hear this word, they come racing. And the way John tells that he was faster than Peter, right? John, John John likes to tell good things about the one whom Jesus loved. And he beat Peter to the tomb. Maybe Peter had an artificial knee like I do. I don't know. He beat him to the tomb. And they look, and the tomb is empty. And Peter and John John, whom was heartbroken because the Lord had died, his friend. Peter was in massive depression because he had betrayed him in his moment of time in need how many of you have ever had to commiserate that you let a friend down at a bad time it's not a good feeling how many of you know that you wish you could have that moment back but you couldn't get it well you can just like Peter did because he's risen he's risen all things are new a convergence of the old and the new glory erupts, anointing breaks forth and every yoke is broken and guess what all of a sudden you are no longer defined by time not past not present not even future because he's in all those places so something went sour and wrong 35 years ago Jesus says I got it give it to me Something is wrong today, Jesus. I got it. Give it to me. You're concerned about the future? Jesus says, I got it. I got it. The tomb is rolled away. Haftorah. Jesus then makes his first appearance to Mary Magdalene, to Peter and John. How does Mary Magdalene respond? She thinks he's the gardener. She thinks he's the gardener. She's saying to the gardener, what are you doing here? I'm not paying you today. I didn't tell you to come today. Don't clock in. And by the way, make sure you wash your hands. Sometimes we don't know when Jesus is in the house. Sometimes we don't understand that whom the person sends to us is in the name of Jesus. Jesus says be aware of strangers you don't know who they are in my own life at least twice I can't tell you for sure it was Jesus but I know that was as close as it could be for me that stranger the words they spoke the atmosphere I was in what they did changed everything Jesus is in the house Mary Magdalene she finally got excited Peter and John. They're not sure what to do with it yet. Does this mean he's going to stay? Is he going to go? Do are, are we going to walk with him again? Is he going to lead us as his disciples? Should I tell my wife I'm done fishing again and I'm going with Jesus Christ and she's going to be mad at me and say who's going to put... wondering can I put my head on his brow again next Passover? Can I walk with my friend? They didn't understand the risen Jesus yet. A whole new set of laws. A whole new set of promises. A whole new land to cross over into. Beloved, That's the majority of the believing body of Christ today, that we don't really fully understand what we have and who He is. We come short. We get stuck in our last moment and our last experience. We begin to continue to celebrate the last miracle until we no longer celebrate it, forgetting that the new one is already there waiting for us. We lose our passion to tell every person about it. woke up in the middle of the night repenting. I had an opportunity two weeks ago to speak to somebody. To tell them one more time, this is a chance to get right with the Lord. I I didn't do it given the atmosphere and the place we were in. He died yesterday. I woke up early and studied this morning tears began to stream down my face in my office it was about 7.30 because I went through the half Torah I read it, I spoke it the last part of the half Torah is citing prayers for loved ones who are gone say oh pastor that's Catholic that's yeah it's old it's old all the way back to the Passover am I preaching a different gospel? No I'm just teaching you what the half tour is the last thing of the half tour is to pray for the loved ones that have gone on is it? I don't I can't honestly tell you what happens the moment we cross that threshold if we're not washed in the blood. I know what some would like to preach. I still believe in the mercy and grace of God. Just maybe, just maybe because time's in God. Just maybe the gracious God gives one more chance. I don't know, but I know that's the half tour. been saying and read since the first Passover that I know a week later Jesus appears to his disciples with Thomas present today (laughs) one week after resurrection Sunday Jesus appears to his disciples with Thomas can you imagine Thomas took that hand out of the energized side of the glory of God you're talking about putting your hand into the soul of the glory of God you understand I, I don't think I'd ever wash that hand again I'm not sure I'd ever use it I think I would just keep it like this energy of glory that shocked through Thomas. It doesn't tell us that he spoke or preached after that. All we get from that is Father, give them the glory that I had with you always. That they might be one, even as we are one. You and me, Me and them. And the glory that you have given me, I give them that they might be one. You're connected. You're plugged in. The glory. The glory. The glory. One week after Resurrection Sunday. And two weeks later, (laughs) the risen Jesus has dinner with his disciples. He eats fish and bread with them. You think he needed to? I don't think so. I don't think Jesus had human hunger. I think he was showing them that he was still the man of flesh and the man of glory, that he was the risen Jesus. Beloved, we're at that moment. We're at the moment where the word of God is crying out, I'm coming soon. We're at that moment when we're told to watch because we don't know what hour and what time He's coming. We're at that moment when the voice of Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 is crying out, I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come Almighty. We're at that moment that was cried out in Acts 1 verse 10 through 11. Look. He's coming with the clouds. Ah, the clouds. What clouds? The clouds of glory. God's glory moves all the time. In Him we move and live. We have our being. His glory is between you and your problem, you and your enemy, you and your disease, you and your issues, with your tissues, whatever they are. His glory goes before you. His glory is behind you. He's coming in the glory. You will be pulled out in the glory. It's all about the glory. As the Lord mentioned to me, I wish to declare to you, I firmly believe with all my heart that at this moment, not because we're trying to discern the moons and the times and the stars and all that garbage it's because god honors himself because he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow god made a covenant and a pact with the children of israel and on that eighth day god issued and initiated that covenant it began that day And he said, if you will do this, I will do that. I'm the God who heals you. I won't put those diseases on you. I'll give you water, fresh. I'll give you manna from heaven. And that manna, as you eat it every day, it will be all the nourishment that you need. God has still given manna from heaven. He's kept his promises even to a people that faltered and went sideways. And let us not be too proud to say, oh, we're the church of God. The church of God is fallen and going sideways. The bride of Christ is diseased. God can heal him. He can heal us. He can heal her. And there's a convergence happening on the earth, and that convergence is spiritual. There's only two people God calls his bride, his ecclesia, his church, that he's calling forth and washing so there's no spot and wrinkle, and his daughter of Zion who is calling out to come home. And the two shall become one, and Christ shall return. By the way, planting his feet on Mount Zion, on the Mount of Olives, that much we know. This I say, we're at that point, there's a point of convergence. A time that is the day after Passover, and a week after resurrection. A time of deliverance, of crossover, of healing, of prosperity. A time of miracles. A time when God holds his covenant. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the covenants before me, I've come to fulfill them. It's a fulfillment time. It's the time. It's the time. I'd like every head to bow and every eye to close, both here and online, please. And first thing, Lord, we want to do is lay offenses down, Father. We lay them down. Those who've offended us and those that we've offended. Father, we're peculiar people called to be a priest. Father, priests must be clean. Priests cannot stand for the people if they go with offense. So, Father, we lay down offenses. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive those who have despitefully offended us. Shower blessings upon them, Lord. Do what you shall do. Wash us clean. Wash us clean, Father, of our sins. Wash us clean, Lord, of our practices. Wash us clean, Father, of our fears, our doubts, our betrayals of all the times we've fallen short. Wash us clean, Father, of the false gods and idols that we've allowed ourselves to cling to here on this earth, even in this society, wherever we are. Deliver us, Father, break the oaks. Let your anointing fall upon us in this house and all who have ears. As we cry out, Father, forgive us. And we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that by his blood, we are clean. Jesus, be glorified. Holy Spirit, be glorified. Now, Father, do what you do. The God who heals, the God who delivers, our God, Who sets free, our God, who gives abundant? Do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Brian, why don't you come up a moment and grab this microphone, right here? I think you got something to share, son. You not turn it on? You hit that little button let push on it, there you go, is it red? Green, it's good. Something happened, yeah. something happened. I think you got a phone call. I'm not sure if it was a person or from heaven, but share with everybody what happened.
1: Uh, back in uh, July of last year, and I were in a very bad wreck and we had really high um, medical bills and um, the insurance company was holding them deciding what to pay or whatever a couple weeks ago I got got an email saying that I had a $42,000 bill outstanding above what the insurance paid and uh, we prayed and we talked about it. And, and I called the hospital and told them, I says, I don't have that kind of money. And I says, do you offer any kind of aid, financial aid? And they had me send my uh, information on what I receive monthly, pensions and Social Security. And I got a letter in the mail saying that I was going to be offered... 77% uh, financial aid and I was really tickled which it still left like $10,000 so a lady called me and she said uh, did you see your email and I said yeah I says I have uh, insurance Christian health care that if I get a detailed bill they'll pay some more of it what I have and she she's no she says that's not the email I'm talking about she says I don't know how, she says, but somebody decided that your bill was not there anymore. They've totally give you 100%. And... Uh, hey! <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I said, sent Pastor a message. I said, a few weeks ago, you declared from the pulpit, debt-free. And that's what I am. Thank you.
0: Thank him. There's a window in heaven open. It continues open in this house. For debt cancellation, for prosperity, for healing, for miracles. You're the gates. And I told you that it's flowing from the top down and the bottom up. I told you the waters are rising and they're over our knees and they're coming on up And I told you the oil is dripping from the beard of Aaron and it's dropping down And I want to tell you something I want to tell you something Debt-free is a promise of God Do you believe Three of you do Do you believe Hey Put your hand up say, I believe, I, believe. I receive, I receive. Do, it, Lord. do it, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Now, yes, <laughs> yes, how do you think Moses declared the waters to come down? You think he said, Lord, let the waters go, Yay! Hey! drown them, Lord, let the waters cave in, let my enemies be gone. How many of you believe in God for a miracle right now? Mm hmm. Now we're going to have Miracle Sunday next Sunday. Bring somebody. Miracle Sunday next Sunday. But that doesn't mean we're going to wait till next Sunday to believe God for miracles. I believe them every hour, every day. I see the miracles of God breaking forth all the time. Doesn't matter where I'm at. The Lord allows me to pray for somebody. The power of God comes down. I may never hear from them again, but I already know God gave them a miracle. Sometimes I don't see that person for a long time and they'll come to me and say, do you remember you prayed? I, I, I don't know. Seven years ago in two days, you know, uh, some guy came here, I don't know, some months ago, said he was here some years ago and he got a new kidney. He said, I just wanted to let you know I had a new kidney. I said, would you just get it today? No, I got it when you all prayed for me. I said, well, thank you very much. (laughs) Put a postage stamp on that one. Yeah. Hey, God's in the miracle business because he's the God. He's the God of Resurrection Sunday. And I want you to believe it and know it. I'd like you right now to just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you let our faith grow. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what a doctor said, no matter what a prognosis is, I don't care what a blood test says, I don't even care what pain is. Lord, in Jesus' name, heal right now, deliver for your glory and your glory's sake, and you alone, O oh Lord. Let God arise and the enemies be scattered. Thank you, Father, thank you for eyes to be healed. Thank you for blood pressure to be healed. Thank you for rheumatism to be wiped out. Thank you, Lord, for shoulders and arms and ribs and backs and breaks and bones to be healed, Father. Thank you for people who have been suffering, Father, from blood issues or even strokes. Thank you for complete healing, clarity. Thank you for hearts healed. Thank you for legs that are feeble to be strengthened. Thank you, Father, for hope and faith. You do it, Lord. You do it, Lord. For you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, yes. We finally got it. Right.